Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Well, how are you now, Skip? Ah, oh, there you are now. He's bleeding massive. A fair play in all fairness. Go tubbing. Give a shot, yeah. I'm allergic to this. Relax the cocks. Go way out of that. Ah, oh, Jesus. Tis yourself. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode two of season five of Tis Yourself with myself, Nicola Burden. What's the crack? I'm going to guess a few of you might be joining me today for the very first time because of my legendary guest today. Um, and that's perfectly fine. Welcome, 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 welcome. I'm very happy to have you here. So before we get into today's guest and all that, um, thanks a million to anyone who listened to last week's episode, which was, of course, Mary McAvoy from Glen Row. I had a great response to that. So thank you to everybody who did listen. And it was the first episode that so was great to kick off with an Irish telly legend. And this week we have an English telly legend who, of course, we know here over here in Ireland. But like, oh, my God, what, I cannot tell you the excitement when I got the email back saying that my guest, Mr. Simon Gregson, a.k.a. Steve McDonald from Coronation Street, wanted to come on this little podcast. Oh, my God, I was beyond excited I was just like I think I may have screamed and I had to text my friend who is Denise who is a massive massive fan and who when I told her she said I think he's my spirit animal (laughs) so had to love that so Denise I'm assuming you're going to be one of the first people that's listening to this episode today Yes, it was absolutely class to chat to Simon. So we were, he's over in Manchester, obviously had a day off from filming and we caught up for over an hour catching, chatting, oh my God, about Corey. We chatted about how he got the role. He was only like a young teenager, like 14 or whatever at the time. Um, how he hated the show for so long before he now loves it, obviously. Um, Steve's, I suppose, evolution over those years all his different wives oh my god we talked about that and yeah you might think you know how many weddings he's been in but you probably don't remember how many actually he's been in but that was that true me um we talked about his depression storyline and how that actually affected him in real life and triggered a lot triggered something for him which is really I'll let him tell you because like it's it's his story so I'll let I'll let you guys listen to that but yeah it was really really amazing to hear you know him find that out and to I suppose be able to come to terms with it and how the show helped him as well as other people because you often hear people who are like seek out help after seeing it on a soap and in his case that was actually what happened to him as well anyway Simon will fill you in on all that mainly we just had the crack lads we really did he's so funny he was lying on his couch I was curled up on uh, I was curled up on mine and we were catching up and it was just like as if you know you were just two old mates catching up and going, come here, I haven't seen an age, what are we up to, you know, that kind of way. And I'm so excited that we did say at the end, we'll have a pint someday in Manchester. So I will hold you to that, Simon, because I always am in Manchester. So (laughs) before I go to the interview, this episode airs on the 14th of October and there's only five days left to enter, to vote for me in the Irish Podcast Awards listener's choice. So it doesn't matter if you're listening to this episode in England, America, Scotland, you're listening in Australia, or you're listening in 
Canada, you're listening to, in Taiwan. It doesn't matter. You can vote in the Irish Podcast Awards. So if you head to irishpodcastawards.ie, you'll see there's a yellow button that says listener's choice and you can search tis yourself. Put it in. It sends you a little email back. It's all free. It sends you an email back to confirm your vote and you just click that. And that would be one vote for me. And you can vote as many times as you like. And especially people outside Ireland, it doesn't really matter to you. But obviously we'd love to get some votes here at home as well. And if you've, you're saying, oh, I've already voted for, you know, I know Murder Must Irish or, um, you know, Joanna Vogue, whoever, you can vote more than once. So even if you're voting for your favourite, they're your favourite and I'm your second favourite, you can vote for me as well. So, yeah. Please do that today. That would be really cool. Anyway, I'm going to leave you with my fabulous guest because that's why you're all here. The legendary Simon Gregson, a.k.a. Corrie superstar Steve McDonald. How's it going? All right, you. I'm, 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 I'm nursing a rather large hangover, I have to say. Oh, where were you last night? I was at home. Oh, But because of I got the day off, I was like, I'm going to have a bottle of wine. And it just didn't stop. So, um, yes. They're always, they're always the ones that you don't understand the hangover. You're like, cause I, I, I just went to my bed straight afterwards and have to get a taxi right. And yeah. Like, I don't remember ringing everyone in my phone book. That did not happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they happen to be a lot of times over lockdown. You're like, why am I hungover? I didn't even leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lockdown was a killer, wasn't it? Oh, God. I started off so well. I'm not going to drink at home. Then the, the lockdowns kept coming. <laughs> oh, yeah. Health license has made a fortune. I know. It would have been great if we had some sort of like um, investment in the local off license. I would have I would have been. I, would be able I to- know. The things we wish we'd have known. I know. Well, I've loads I want to talk to you about. I mm. like you have been on my screens for so many years and I'm going to try my best to not accidentally call you Steve I bet you get that all the happens time happens a lot yeah happens a lot so don't <laughs> worry <laughs> I, I interviewed um, Alan Fletcher who plays Carl Kennedy in Neighbours and he was saying that he gets more people call him Carl than they call him Alan and I specifically yeah. was like the whole way yes Alan of course Alan <laughs> <laughs> yeah well this is it because I've been Steve longer than I've been Simon so it's uh, a bit bizarre. Did I read right that you got the part of Steve when you were like a teen, like early teens? Uh, so I was 14 when they told me I got the part and I was 15 in one week Well, on my first day at work, yeah. Oh my God. So when all your friends are like studying for, you know, A-levels and... Yeah, and- they all went, yeah, they were doing the GCSEs and then they went off and did college and uni and yeah, missed out all that, all that was didn't happen for me. Well, like, was it something that you actually wanted to do or is this kind of like, I'm a teenager and it gets me out of school? Um, it was more of a case, I'm a teenager, it gets me out of school. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, the honest answer is um, I've always been into cars since I was old enough to push them around the carpet, you know, the little matchbox things. And when I was 14, I saw an Escort Mexico in Loot. Do you remember Loot? Like a like like a little newspaper that sold like chest of drawers and rabbits and cars and all sorts of things, and uh, it was a, an orange bright orange escort. And I was like, I want that, I want that. And this job came along. I was like, I'm going to go for that job because if I get it, I can buy this car. And I got the job. I didn't get the car, but I got the job. I was just going to ask, did the car come along? But obviously, that was just a fail. Someone else got there before you. Someone else got there before me. Plus, and no insurance company in the world. Uh, would have insured me on it. So, yeah. 
it, I would have loved the idea of you, 15, 16 years of age, pulling up to Corrie in that car. This bright, yeah, bright orange. orange rally car. <laughs> so it never happened. But yeah, it's been um, it's been crazy. It's, it's, it's been a massive roller coaster ride. And every year my mum still says, don't rock the boat. <laughs> you know, you, you might not be there. I'm like, mum, it's been 34 years. <laughs> Every year she thinks it might be the last time. And you never know, it might be, you know. Takes one producer to go, nah, not like him anymore. It does take a lot to like try and kill off like a character who's been there that long. Like, you know, you're really going to have to piss someone off to do it that way. You're going to have to do something seriously wrong. Yeah, it's a good job I'm not in, in, in school today, as I call it. Otherwise, I probably would have got fired. I know. I look at kids in school today and I'm like, compared to what they had to put up with in comparison to what we had to put up with as, as a younger school. I'm so glad there's no there was no mobile phones or Snapchat or any of that shit. Cause, like, yeah, but we got beaten up, didn't we? Our teachers would literally beat us up. I got chairs thrown in our class, board rubbers. Somebody got punched. Oh, we, we were just talking the other day about our ex-headmaster. He punched me in the face. And my mate, yeah, he said he kicked me down the stairs. That was in <laughs> primary school. No wonder you wanted to leave school and go to Cary. <laughs> oh, I tell you, school was awful. Like Borstal. Jesus. Back in the day, yeah. And then you go from that, like where you're like, you know, oh God, what's going to happen to me today? You go into a TV show that's, you know, at the time, like it's iconic, I know, but it was probably starting to be quite iconic then. But you're only 15. Like, how do you even cope with people knowing who you are, like calling your name out and stuff? That's so weird. It was crazy. It was it was a massive whirlwind. It it was it was a first for Corey, hmm. uh, and it was a first for me. In in um, and what I mean by that is that when people get employed now, we were kind of like the guinea pigs. From from what me and the guy who played my brother went through, is now what they use as a template to warn everybody else what it's like when they join the show. So when somebody joins the show, they take you to a room, the press officer are there, the producers are there, so somebody else is there. I, I think, I mean, I, I, I never did it, like I say. But they say, right, this is going to happen. The press will come round. They might start bringing members of your family, neighbours, friends, try to dish the dirt. Skeletons in your closet will come out. The press love all that. I mean, it, things have calmed down these days. It's nowhere near as bad as it was now. The news of the world's gone and the Sun newspaper's on its way out, thank God. But um, they were awful. I mean, the minute I got the job, uh, they were banging on my neighbour's doors, saying, have you got any dirt? What was he like as a kid? And it's like, thank you, Nick. I've only just got the job. <laughs> you know, what do you want? It's like, what was it like? Is it like, I don't want to talk to you, thank goodness. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was, it was horrendous. And it, it, never, it never becomes normal. People recognise you and calling you, Steve. You, you learn to live with it. Mm. But it, it never, it it never becomes. I, I I think the closest I ever got to it is that I'm pretty sure I sat next to Sean Connery once in Spain. I'm sure it was him. If it wasn't, it was his doppelganger. Uh, and I saw Roger Moore in Monaco once. And I was because I'm James Bond mad. I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. So I kind of get what people can kind of do I mean I'd never go approach them or ask them anything but I guess that's kind of professional courtesy because you know what it's like yeah but I, I always understand the kids because kids are kids and kids are great and it's like you know it's all a bit of a magical wonderful world the TV and famous people but some adults should have just never have been allowed out <laughs> oh I can't <laughs> believe some of the stories I've heard over the years of like 
fully grown adults and what they say or do or like I once watched somebody at um at the time that Damien Duff was playing for Ireland and he was playing for Chelsea and I was in an Ireland match here in Dublin and Jose Mourinho came over to watch him play and I watched a full grown man run and jump jump on Jose Mourinho's back and I was like are you for real? Mm-hmm. It's crazy. We were talking about. I was talking to one, one of the uh, one of the girls at work the other day. She was saying because well, I mean I get grabbed all the time. Well, all of us get grabbed. But bless her, she's only young, and she went, "What are you doing? Get off me!" Well, sorry, I recognise you. She went, "Right, fine. Do not physically grab me." Mm. She went, "What would you do if I grabbed your child?" Well, it's different. It's not different. I'm a human being. Wow. Do not physically grab me. Well, this is what they do. They literally grab, I mean, I remember in the past, they grab you and drag you across the pub or restaurant and go, look who I've got. As if they found, you know, Lassie in the corner tied up or something. It's like, I'm a human being, get off me. They're absolutely mental. My favourite story was a friend of mine called Craig, Craig Charles. And he was uh, he was in a pub and he was uh, he was reading his book. And this guy came over, he went, oh, I create, he went, oh, yeah, yeah I am, mate. He said, look, I'm, I'm not going to be awake. Can you just do me a favour? He said, yeah, go on. So he said, uh, when you're leaving, can you just say, see you later, Dave, as if we know each other, just like dead vomiting like that. Mm. So he went, yeah, 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 go on then. So anyway, he finished his book and he, he walked out and he said, uh, see you, Dave. He went, oh, fuck off, Craig, not now. <laughs> and he went, I had to give it him. He said it was genius. It was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't mind you don't mind the funny ones, you know. No, that you see, that I just like you know can't imagine being young and being thrown into it because, like you say, like well maybe they're the younger ones now are getting used to being able to set boundaries and well, stuff it's like different, that. yeah. I mean, of course, you know, being famous now in twenty twenty three is, and you know, you never want to use the word famous. I used it once on Twitter and got berated like mad. <laughs> Who do you think you are using the word famous? It's like it's the most watched. Longest running continuing serial drama on the planet. If you can't use the word famous, what am I supposed to use? Tomato? You know, it's like, shut up. But um, yeah, but being famous now in, in this day and age is a lot different ever since um, reality TV and things mm. like this. YouTube, you know, where everyone's got, got to get YouTube channel and go out. People are a lot more kind of, ooh, you know, kind of take it on the chin when they see somebody off the TV. You still get. You know, the occasional people. But um, in 1989, in the early 90s, especially in Manchester, you know, it wasn't like London where people off TV and films, theatre were walking around all the time. Mm-hmm. But in Manchester, yeah, it was, and, and a kid, it was horrendous. It was awful. It was, um, yeah, it was a terrible time. The first 10 years was, 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 was horrible. Absolutely horrible. Because I imagine lads, and this is something that seems to come up with different um, people I've spoken to over the years. They, lads, when they see another young lad who's famous, it's not like, well, not okay, not all of them, but there's a there's a certain percentage that think that they're better than you and want to prove it to it's, you. It's, well, A, it's instant jealousy because they think you're multimillionaires, which obviously was not the case. And um, secondly, uh, they have a preconception. Mm. So they're like, he's off the telly. Therefore, he's going to be an arsehole. He's going to have his head up his backside. He's going to be a show-off. He's going to be big-headed. And he's going to think he's great. So those are the things within the first millisecond that young lads would think when they saw you. Total preconception, of course, all completely untrue. I'm not saying all of us aren't like that, <laughs> but a lot of us aren't. 
And um, it was just preconception. So you kind of go out your way to convince a stranger that you're a normal person. And that's what I spent most of my time doing. And it was only until my late 30s, I was like, what are you doing? Who cares what they think? Stop it. But, you know, yeah, but pe people are very, very strange, you know. I mean, it's just like the way it, look, what I akin it to is that, you know, people can sit at home and watch a game show and say there's a guy there who could win a brand new convertible Ferrari. Everyone watching that game show at home really wants him to win that Ferrari. Mm. But the next day, if you saw him driving down the road in it, he'd be like, wanker. <laughs> Look at him. Fucking dick. Yeah. And that's our culture. So it's difficult, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's like how you love when you hear someone local has won the lotto, but you want it to be a syndicate, never one single person. You're like, because then look at them, they're up themselves. Where if it's a group of people, you're like, ah, oh, that's grand because they've only probably won 10 grand. Yes, each. there was a great story a friend of mine told me. My friend's a therapist and he said there was a thing in the 70s, 80s called the glass ceiling effect. And it was where uh, Everest uh, double glazing wanted normal everyday folk to sell their double glazing because they thought salesmen aren't going to work. Your next door neighbour's selling it, yeah, they probably trust you more. Anyway, it went massive. So people that were having, you know, normal run of the day, everyday jobs were now earning a lot of money. And they were buying the mock Tudor house and wearing Pringle jumpers and the Volvo and playing golf at the weekends. And they lost all their friends. They just lost their whole kind of social group uh, and everything. And they did, a, they did a case study on it and it was called the glass ceiling effect. We're a very, very jealous nation. <laughs> It's very bizarre. Whereas in America, it seems to be the complete opposite. People really want you to do well. But in this country, you kind of secretly hate it. Yeah. It's like we want you to do a certain level of well. But then if you cross that level then and you start... I to think get... they want you to be well. And that's yeah. about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's healthy, but he's got as much money troubles as me. So yes. I can talk to him. Yeah, if he's got he's... one pound more than me, he's an arsehole and I don't like him. Yeah, he was in the credit union three times last week taking out money, so he's obviously got too much money there for get the fuck. Yeah, let's beat him up and scratch his car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, like, that's the thing, you getting money and then pe trying to prove to people. It's funny how you say in your 30s that you start to realise, like, why do you care? Because it's a funny thing when you get to your 30s that you do start It going. is, yeah. And it was, you know, it's exhausting. And I was like, you know, I've kind of had enough of people now. Mm. I'm very much a kind of non-people. I mean, I love people. I love talking to people, you know, I like people. I've always been like that since I was a kid. But, you know, through life experience, I'm like, no, you know. That's why I don't really go out. I'm like, no, I've, I've built a pub in the house. I'll sit in there, thanks very much. Oh, did you? Did you do that? Was that a lockdown project or did you do that pre-lockdown? We kind of always had it because it was a room uh, at the back of the house. It's kind of two houses here. And it was, uh, I think it was a barn originally because uh, I think they sold coal from here. And whoever lived here, God knows how many hundreds of years ago, they used to deliver the coal because it was all farming community. It's all farming community here. So uh, we were like, what are we going to do with this? It was a granny flat originally, obviously. Me and my naughty little wife went, let's build a pub. Yes. So we called it the G-Spot because no one knows where it is. <laughs> I'm I'm love that your wife agreed to that as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Might have been her idea, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs>
I love that idea though because you can have just like just your mates over and that whole idea of just being able to fall into bed when you're ready yeah this is it and we use it for the kids because rather than the kids go out and we don't know where they are Mm. you know because they're getting older now it's like well no we'd much rather have you and all your mates here so we know where they are we can keep an eye on them we know they're safe so and then one day it'll all be revamped and that'll be that's where they'll live you know yeah. Oh, that's cool. Like, yeah, yeah. The mm. idea of knowing how many shots the kids have had out the back, you're like, mm. well, we're lucky they don't drink because the football mad, the fitness and football mad. So they don't drink, they don't smoke, uh, constantly fitness exercising. And yeah, we're really lucky. Yeah. Why was I that's not like great. that as a kid? Jesus. I wish I was. Oh my God. I would be so fat now. Like I'm looking at myself in the Zoom here and just like, don't put your head in that angle because all I see are... I know, that's why I've sat up, sort of sat down. I was like, you know, I look like John Candy. Well, then I'm your twin then in that case. The two of us are just like, <laughs> trying to crop my chin out of this. <laughs> it's it's mad how many young people like today. There seems to be like a mix of it. Like, don't drink at all whatsoever. And then there's the ones that go book mental, obviously. And like, as a young person getting into fame, they get offered so many free things. Like, do you know what I mean? Like the, the parties, the freebies. I'm like, I'm guessing you probably got some free things when you were offered, but probably not. No, no. I never got, you know what? In 34 years, I've not had one free thing ever. What? Uh, the girls get free holidays, free clothes to get this because they're very pretty and they look nice in the photos, you know? <laughs> I mean, I've got bigger boobs than half the girls, to be fair. But <laughs> no, I've had nothing. Well, absolutely no. How is that possible? Not even, not even like a crate of beer or like, I don't nothing. know. Absolutely nothing. Some Here. of them have only joined the job, show for a couple of months and they're getting this, that and the other. And I'm like, that worked. I remember, I think there was one person who had a child before us and then we had ours. And then it, it was like a baby boom at Coronation Street. Everyone was getting pregnant. Uh, but the, everyone was getting free prams, free this, free that. They're getting stuff sent to work. They're getting everything. Nothing I got. Now, oh my god, like, why not? Where's my free things? <laughs> but as you say, you know, uh, you know, the whole thing being young and going out, of course, it was 1989, so Manchester was kicking off, it was that's the end and stuff, so it was a crazy time, you know. And were you able to at least skip some queues to get in? No, I wasn't very well liked. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, I was, I was kind of globally hated for the first 10 years for some reason. They just, uh, people just did not take to me at all. And I guess I kind of get it because I wasn't an actor. You know, if I look back at it, I was like, okay, I was getting away with it, hmm. but I was no actor. Um, it was like, Jesus, he's shit. And it's like, well, to be fair, I didn't really want the job. Um, so <laughs> why don't you give it a go? See how, see, see, see how well you do. Yeah, it but no, it wasn't great. It was awful times, really. When did it start to change then? Do you, do you, did it you started to change when I started making people laugh. When they kind of gave Steve that kind of comedy personality that we know now. Well, I tried the comedy a couple of years, two or three years before it actually started happening. I was told they, did, they told me they didn't like it. Uh, uh, I was told by a certain producer, I think she's passed now, uh, but she was like, don't like it, don't do it, it's not what we want, it's very American uh, and it's, it's not for us. But I didn't give up. So I started messing around and being more silly and just, you know, me- kind of just messing with the lines, changing the lines and pulling stupid faces and uh, just having a laugh because it's boring. 
after a while. Yeah. So I was just trying to lighten up my day. Anyway, um, another producer liked it and went, carry on. And it went from there. Well, you see, that's the thing, right? Because I love soaps, right? I have my little schedule every week and I'm sitting down and I'm watching Carrie and watching EastEnders and that. And a lot of the time it is heavy stuff. Like, and, you know, obviously they the, those storylines have to be told because they do reflect parts of, you know, society and stuff. But you yeah. do need a laugh. Oh, you do need a laugh, you know. I mean, I think, you know, these days it is a little bit kind of topic heavy. Mm-hmm. I, I completely get it because when I did the depression storyline, I was approached by a lot of people thanking me for doing the storyline because it helped them a lot. Mm. Whereas back in the day, if a lad approached me in the pub, I was like, right, it's kicking off. You know, the same kind of looking skinhead, bloody muscle bound, bloody lads with scars on the face were actually pulling me at one side and going, thanks very much, mate. I went to the doctors, I'm on tablets, everything's great. My life's changed. Thank you. So I was like, wow, this is, this is flipped. Uh, so I do get it. But yeah, I totally agree. I think there does, there does need to be more humor, especially with Corey, because that's, what it is, it's a very humorous take on working class Northern life, you know, even in complete horrible situations, there's still that great humor there underlying, which, you know, not meant to be funny, but it is just mm-hmm. the way you say it. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but hopefully things will, uh, hopefully they'll listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's think Irish, the Irish and the Northern, because obviously like Manchester is bloody. Every time I go over to Manchester, it's somebody with the thickest Manchester accent in a Mayo jersey. I'm like, right, OK. But there's we have that connection there. But we do find humour in darkness. It is our trait. And I love it. I would never change that about us because you could be at a... Sometimes the funeral of somebody is the best crack you'll ever have because everyone's... Oh, yeah. yeah. Everyone laughs at a funeral. Because, yeah. and mainly because you can't. Yeah. It's like, don't laugh. You're like, oh, you bastard. <laughs> you can't you can't not laugh, can you? So Yeah, it is. And of course that's what it's about, isn't it? You know, life's too short, man. Yeah. So like when you're given these heavy storylines, like the depression storyline, like that obviously it's it's the reason they chose Steve for that was because it's someone who is quite forward and laugh, and it's always those people that you don't Yeah, really I think know. that was the whole purpose behind it. It's like, look, you know, Steve's the luck. Cause I was going, Really? Hapless, silly, stupid Steve's gonna get depressed. He went well, yeah, because if he does, it will be a big impact. So mm. I went, you know what? Fair enough, I get it. And we did it. I didn't like it. I mean, I, I had an anxiety disorder at the time, uh, which wasn't diagnosed. In fact, doing the depression storyline helped it to get diagnosed. But I was having panic attacks all the time. And the, it was written in the story that they wanted Steve to have a panic attack. Wow. And I could not have one. Having like 10 a day for no reason whatsoever and horrendous ones where I was like virtually having seizures. I couldn't have one, but I wanted to have one. And that's when it clicked and I went, it's all psychosomatic. My God. When I want one, I can't have one. You're nearly having panic attacks thinking about having to play one and also you're going through something that you don't understand in your own head and then having to play out a different version of that on the telly. That must have been the biggest mindfuck for you at the time. Like, Well, the time, you know, I, I really didn't want to do the storyline, but they were like, look, you know, we're, we're not going to force you to do it, but we think it would be good for people. And I went, well, you know what? Yeah, of course, you know. So so I did it. But yeah, it was crazy. But it, it, in, the, in the weirdest way, it, it couldn't have been better timing because it really helped me. That, that day, you know, can you have a panic, you know, pretend to have a panic attack? And I'm like, God, I have them all day, every day. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't have one. And things started to change. 
And I was oh. like, they're like, this is surreal. And how did you cope with that? Because, you know, you're still playing this character on telly that's going through this trauma and you are trying to fix your own personal situation. Um, you know, with all kind of serious storylines that have come my way, I try not to think about it too much. I mean, I know that people that, you know, because I wasn't a trained actor at all. You know, I kind of learned this on the job. Basically, I've been getting away with it. But, you know, for, for, I guess for your trained actor, they, they will research the part and speak to people and all that and they go into it. For me, I'm like, you know what? Life's too complicated enough. Uh, I'm not getting that deep into this role. I'll, I will say it and 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 it's like I mean it and, mm. and do it to the best of my ability, but I am not taking this home with me. You know, as soon as I take Steve's clothes off, which weirdly are pretty identical to my own. I was just going to say, um, you're looking pretty Steve right now. <laughs> exactly, yeah. There's, there's, there's a very thin line between Steve and, uh, and Simon. And it's because I just I had to inject myself into the character because I wasn't an actor. I didn't know what I was doing. So I just had to pretty much play myself and make it believable. Maybe it's a good thing that you weren't this trained actor because you're feeding off, as you say, you're injecting some of yourself, but you're also kind of feeding off probably people around you looking going, oh, that's the way he does that, right? Well, you're constantly learning every day off people, yeah. Yeah, I looked around, I watched, I listened and um, and just kind of got away with it. (laughs) (laughs) It was very good of Corey to give you that time off to deal with the crack because like it is the crap that you were going through because that is, I know, I think you said you were off for like six months. That's a, a hard thing to do in a soap to suddenly explain where somebody's going for six months. And It was great, you know. I mean, you know, the, the, they're very, very, uh, uh, you know, aware of the stresses and strains of this life that you get given through this job. So, you know, they're very willing to, um, to back you up and look after you, you know. I mean, they have a duty of care at the end of the day. But uh, they could have easily said no, and 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 they didn't, and they were very supportive and lovely, and it's um, it's it's just a fantastic. I mean, everyone says it all the time. It's it's like a family, but it, it, I mean, it literally is because if your dad works there, your son works there, your wife works there. I mean, that was I think where it came from. But um, you're there. You can be there twelve hours a day on 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 a busy storyline, five days a week, sometimes six. So you are with these people more than you are with your friends and family. And, you know, they know you inside out, and especially if you've been there since your young age. Mm. So, yeah, they were very willing to help me. And, uh, you know, they're lovely. And um, they, they were very good to me, and it was great. You must have had some best friends come and go between the show, like being there so long, as you said, over 30 years. Like people that you were like, these. I hope this lad is, or this girl is filming today because we're going to have banter on set. Yeah, yeah, I've been very lucky with the wives they've given me because we've <laughs> always got on. I was actually on the phone with Kate Kelly earlier today who played Becky. We've always got on. Uh, we've always had a great laugh. I'm still uh, very much good friends with Kim Marsh. We're always in touch on the phone because, you know, she's got a wicked sense of humour. She's very, very funny. I've, I've just been really lucky. And then, of course, they brought Craig Charles in. And if I, I've met Craig, first time I met Craig was in Lily's Bardello. Oh, really? Yeah, years ago. And it was on, he was on the first date with his now wife. Oh, my God. And, and he, um, he took her to Lily's in Dublin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, she's Irish. And uh, his mum was Irish. And um, they uh, years later, they, he got off, his agent rang him and said, um, you know, Coronet Street are interested in bringing you in. He said, I'll only come in if I work with Simon. 
Oh, no way. So he, he, came, he came in as my best mate, yeah. And it's like, it's that night in Lily's, you said, I loved you. And we've been best mates ever since. So you do have friends that come in and they go, but after years of it, you know, they're like, oh, I'm going to miss you. It's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I've seen about 20 of these now. Just bugger <laughs> off. <laughs> you were crying at the start with the first two guys that left and then you're like, oh. Well, yeah, I'm like, whatever. Look, you're going to be here for six months, mate, depending on how rubbish you are. So you go over it. <laughs> That's the other side. <laughs> You see people coming in and you're like, you're not going to last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you ain't correct. You know what? The thing is with that place is that if you've got any airs and graces or you're above your station or you think you're this, think you're that, you ain't going to last a minute. It's very, very much a nine to five job for people there. Mm-hmm. There's no airs and graces. No one's above the station. It's very, very kind of on the level. And uh, people soon realize that when they come in, they're like, oh. This isn't like a normal acting place. It's like, no, no. You're in Salford in Manchester now. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't, you know, the BBC Grand Studios in London, pal. You're in Manchester. We will cut you down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't have the banter. You're off. <laughs> and you and Kate, honestly, have such a good back and forth. Like, honestly, you watch. I actually feel sometimes like you are a real married couple watching you because the way he's like slag each other or roll your eyes at each other or whatever and then try to be cute at the same time. You're just like, oh yeah, we all know a couple like them. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, Kate Ford could not be further away from Tracy Barlow. She's <laughs> such the sweetest, loveliest person. And we get on like a house on fire. And uh, But when she turns that horrible, evil psychopath Tracy Barlow on, it's just hilarious. That complete coldness. I mean, she is. What, what is it? She's um, she's a sociopath. She she's she's completely. It's it's about Tracy, and that's it. Mm-hmm. No one else matters. And it's just I just love doing scenes with her because she just it's just so cold. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like you look at her sometimes, and you know the storyline is her giving out to somebody, and you're like, Tracy murdered someone. She she yells at one and she's just like giving out about them, I don't know, putting up a stick on the road or whatever it is. Yeah, well, this is it. I, th- I think secretly Steve's frightened to death. Steve's like, oh, my God, I should not be with this woman. But if I leave her, she will kill me. Quite possibly. It's kind of like, like my real wife. <laughs> and the best way to have the husband is to do that. Have them <laughs> exactly, yeah. Frightened for his life. <laughs> but like the, all the storylines over the years like it must be weird now when you think back the ones they gave you when you were younger you know when it was Steve and Andy or whatever blah 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 and it's like teenage romances and then it's like okay now we're going to get you to marry somebody else now okay yeah seven marriages they've done and, and filming weddings on Coronation Street it's awful it takes days oh, really? and for some reason they write them when it's winter and it's freezing cold I mean you, you know it, when we go to these big churches, because apparently you know, every, people in Coronation Street could afford £100,000 weddings for some reason, in this huge sandstone church, which in the winter is basically a medieval fridge. And it's like, we're freezing cold and they go on for days and they've given me seven of them. I can't believe so it's I seven. Take it all back. I don't think they like me at all. Yeah, I've done seven weddings. Yeah. Jesus. So what, there was... Kim, Kate, obviously. Kate, so there was... It was originally um, Vicky. Oh, God, then it that's was, a back. Yeah, then it was Karen. He married her twice. 
And then it was Becky. I think he married her twice. Then it was Michelle. And then it was Tracy. Yeah, seven. And you see, the thing about the Christmas or the winter thing is because they have to have a Christmas wedding because obviously Christmas Day, everything has to go terribly wrong. Everybody has to find Why it. Why can't we have a happy Christmas? <laughs> I've said this for years. I thought, why? Why has it got to be? Do you not think people have got enough going on? Can't they sit at home with the tea on the laps and go, ah, oh, that was lovely. Everyone had a lovely time. No, people have died. The house has blown up. It's like, stop it. <laughs> wrong with you but this is the thing this is what the public want, want apparently you know it's because they turn around at their like there's a family <laughs> fight on the telly and they turn around and go it's not just me and him then that are having that's killing. exactly what it is you know just like look you're not on your own <laughs> yeah you're like they're actually worse than me because she murdered him I didn't yeah. murder him today my life's alright look at these weirdos <laughs> yeah we're, 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 you know if you're not laughing you're learning <laughs> what do people like when they see you and your real wife out and about like do they get a bit kind of lost going oh wait who's that there's there's varied reactions Um, I'm all constant being told you're just like me brother or you're just like me son apparently I'm I'm, I'm every man you know (laughs) I had a a woman came up to me in a a supermarket she grabbed my wrist with this look of shock on her face like really squeezing my arm I don't know what it is about elderly women, but the, the grip on them is like a vice. And they're like that. It's, you know, like they're probably holding onto a gin and tonic or something. <laughs> but they're like on my arm. And um, and then she suddenly, a, a, a flash of awareness came over and she went, I am so sorry and walked off. And I was like, I was just left there with the frozen prawns for half an hour going like that. What, what, what just happened? It suddenly dawned on me that she, I think she thought I was a dead relative. Because I have had people come up to me and go like, how's your uncle Frank? You're all right. I haven't seen you for a while. And they think they know me. They think I'm a part of distant cousin or something. <laughs> and then you can see the realisation suddenly dawn on the face. They go like, that. oh, my God, this isn't, this isn't cousin Timmy. This is Steve off the telly. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> yeah, there's varied reactions. The one that we never get over, and we often discuss this, because the green room at work is like, um, I guess if you were ever to go to an AA meeting, very much like the green room in the fact that there's only us in that room that know what it's like. So it's like yeah. therapy. So we all tell our own separate stories. And the common, the common running theme is that if somebody recognizes you, there's some people that they have to say something. They, 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 they cannot not say anything. And they're like, I've recognized you. Therefore, I have to let you know that I know who you are. Even though we couldn't give a toss they have to let you know that they've recognised you and, and they take great pleasure in telling you. So some people go like that, recognised you, and like that, well, you don't get a badge, but well done. And then it's like, I just wanted to let you know, we've realised who you are. And like that, right. But the best one, a friend of mine was walking across. I mean, you, I mean, God, in this day and age, you know, I'll probably get bloody sacked, but this isn't me saying this. Uh, there was a, 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 a lad in his early 20s and he saw him and he just like looked at him with an angry face and he went, you bender. And he went, and so he came over to me and he went, have, have you just seriously said that? And he went, uh, yeah. He went, why? He went, I don't know. And he went, you realise what you've just shouted across a public area towards me. Why have you said it? He went, I don't know. And he went, 
mate, you need to have a serious word for yourself. But oh. lads, especially lads, they seem to have some kind of it, 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 they're either go, oh, mate, I love you, you know, mm. I just wanted want to say thanks very much, we enjoy what you do, and that's nice. And, you know, you get kids going like, oh, hey, Steve, you're like, all right, you little monkey, you know, rubbing <laughs> their hair and everything. So that's nice, because kids are great. But some of them, it just instant anger. Like, that's that guy off the telly. And, and it's like the brain doesn't know what to do with it, and they get really angry. And they're taking I've, out I've, on you like that their life is not successful, even though they don't want to be actors. Well, I, I don't even think it's that. It's because the brain is telling them one thing and the other part of the brain is telling them another. They don't know what to do with the information that's in front of them. And they just instantly go into kind of when we were apes. Yeah. Don't know what that is. Don't understand it. Can I kill it? Can I eat it? They go into that kind of thing. We're basically just, you know, presented with a lot of shaved apes everywhere we go. Yeah. I, have a fr- I have a friend of mine that's six foot four and he, like when we go out, he's almost guaranteed that some fella who's like five three is going to come up and be like, you big bollocks, as if to try and fight him. And he's like, whatever. Well, no, it's this weird. Yeah. I mean, my, my philosophy is, because uh, I used to be into all this kind of history thing, you know, watching where we came from and the evolution and things. And they found something like 10 or 11 different species of pre-Nagral man, caveman, stuff like this. So I'm like, I think that some of us are descendants from intelligent cavemen and the others are not. <laughs> they tend to be your football shirt wearing people shouting in the streets. The ones yelling at you, horrible slurs for and then don't realize why they did it. Yeah, it's like your ancestors were in the trees when we were in the caves. Yeah, they were like, they didn't know how to light the fires. They had no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's weird though when you're a dad though, because like if somebody yells something at you and you're with your kids, like in one way you're like, I can understand certain things when it's just yourself, you're like, whatever. But when you've got your kids with you, suddenly you're not Simon or Steve, you're a dad. So you're kind of protection mode. Yeah, I mean, I never say no. You know, if people say, can I have a photograph? I never say no. Uh, <clears throat> and it's, I mean, I'm a nice guy anyway, so I kind of get it. Uh, but also at the same time, it's a lot easier to do it than to say no. Uh, because then it can become a standoff and then you get abuse. So it's like, yeah, have your photograph and then they're on the way. But the kids hate it. They, they hate it and, and they can't get their head around it. They don't know why. But that's their world. That's all they've known, you know. Daddies, you know, for years they thought I was a cleaner because I was cleaning the car. They've never watched Coronation Street. They've no idea. And it, it doesn't bother them. When people come over and shout stuff, it, they're very confused as to why they're doing it. I, this is why I could never like people say to me I meet a lot of famous people doing stuff like this you get to talk to a lot of people and I'm like they say to me would you like to be famous I'm like no I love going to Tesco with no makeup on my hood up and I look like an absolute like I've fallen out of the pub or whatever it is and no one knows who I am so no one's going to come up and stick a phone in my face and go can I have a selfie and then I have to search Instagram tags the next day going please don't tag me please don't tag me I look terrible <laughs> it's like you're not allowed to be in a bad mood either Mm-mm. It's like that. I go, oh, what's the matter with you? Like that. I'm having a bad day. Well, well, you're having a bad day. I mean, you. I'm like, ah, right, okay. So I'm, I'm off the telly. I can't be human. You know, it's weird. It's a very, very strange life. 
Yeah. And that's why I think I watched obviously I'm a Celeb when you were on it and it was nice to see you as Simon and kind of get to know you and in the castle environment. And I'm like, I imagine that was one of the draws for you to kind of go on it. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I touched on earlier, you know, with this horrible anxiety disorder, I, I, I wasn't, you know, the jobs are coming thick and fast and my agent's like, no, 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 because I wouldn't do anything because with this horrible disorder, you, you're kind of yourself on the inside but not on the outside. So I was like, I can't do the job because the people, what people will see isn't me because I can't, he's, he's yeah. stuck in here and he won't come out. Uh, but I was better by then. And I went, you know what? Yeah, I'll do it. And then they were like, oh, my God, how have you managed to get him on this show? We've been trying to get him to do this quiz show for years or do this interview. We can't get him. And it was basically I went, uh, well, I'm, 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 I'm well. So I'm, I'm doing it. And it was nice. Yeah, the reaction's been great from it. And, um, you know, I get to do stuff like this now. And it's, it's nice. Because I imagine when you're going through an anxiety issue like that, I, I've had people around me who've had serious bouts, uh, same as yourself, and maybe going to work in Carnage Street, everybody understands, you trust them, you've known them a long time, so when you were back at work, if you were if you needed a break, yeah, you could it was Yeah, it was very much a safe environment, yeah. Yeah, whereas going on to a new set, even if it's, as you say, a quiz show, which you're only there for the day, it's all new people, it's a whole new environment, and it's adding to the anxiety that's already there. Yeah, I because mean, I think, you know, people that at my work knew me before I had the anxiety, and then, so they knew that that wasn't me. But in a new situation, it's the, it, you know, it's the first meeting, it's the first, you know, the first person they're going to meet is that he's anxious, Simon, not real Simon. And I was yeah. like, I do not want them to meet that person. And yeah. uh, so then you you felt well enough, obviously, to go into the castle and give that a go. And that must have been a massive milestone for you to be able to feel that comfortable in yourself. Yeah, it was a bit weird because because it was COVID time. We had uh, two weeks of isolation first and we were completely on our own, all in our separate little places, wherever I was in a cottage in the middle of nowhere. And um, you weren't allowed to speak to anyone. They took your phone off you about a week before you went in. They turned your TV off. You could have Netflix, I think. But a, a guy came round and dismantled lots of stuff and pressed lots of buttons on the TV and something else. And the minute he went out the door, I put everything back. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I have a TV at home. I can't remember how it works. So I had everything. And they, they, they give you a phone which you can only receive calls on um i soon broke into that and i was phoning my wife <laughs> so i was very naughty <laughs> right two weeks in complete isolation or even a week i'm sorry well it I'm... ended up being three weeks because we went in a week late yeah well then you'd be lula like the simon that would be coming on you'd be like like nearly licking people's faces just so you can have someone to talk to well this is it and the weird thing was i was like you know because i think i'm a thinker and you know what it's like, I call it helicopter head. You know, you have one thought about something so mundane about what you're going to have for your tea. And about three seconds later, you're thinking about something that happened in primary school. I'm like, shut up, brain. What's going on? So I was like, you can't be doing that. <laughs> so um, I kind of kind of trained myself not to think about anything. And I, when I came out of it, I was like that. I, I can't think anymore. <laughs> so I had to kind of like... Forced myself to stop thinking again. I was like, who is this person? That sounds like me <laughs> on a Sunday after being out on a Saturday night. You're lying in bed, hungover, and you're kind of going, 
last night was a good night. Why should I make that face? Oh my God, that reminds me of when I was 14 and I fell in front of that fella. I yeah. And then I'm spiraling. <laughs> yeah. And you just go off on one. You're like, shut up, for God's sake. And Emma's going, who were you talking to? I'm like, oh, you came on. <laughs> oh, but like you came second though. That was class. Like that's yeah, real... yeah. It was a it was a huge surprise. I was like, all right, you know, I just completely farted my way through live TV, and people seemed to like it. Who knew that toilet humor was what the British like? Well, the comedy was what kept people obviously kept the campmates going. They needed people to be there to be funny because uh, rarely someone who goes in late ends up in the final. So like that, usually people are like, no, we probably should give it to the guy that's been using that disgusting toilet from the start. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I was very lucky, you know, because I think working it out, I think I only did 10 days in there. Oh, wow. Most, most of them within that, like four weeks, I think. So I came in late and then there was a massive storm that gave us two or three days off. And I was ill one day, so I had one day in bed. Uh, and I was like, I think I've only done about 10 days. I think I was the, the luckiest. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Contestant going. When else the camps, I'd be like, so I'm Yeah, <laughs> fine. You walk in the park, to be honest with you. I don't know how you do it. Honestly, I watch it every single year and I go, Maybe I could. And then, no, no, something happens. Someone's put into a hole with a load of rats or snakes. And I'm like, no, yeah. that's it. Yeah, I was lucky with that because I didn't get really bad trials. The eating trials were a challenge. Oh, but um, you kind of like, right. And you're kind of going, so they're going to give me this and it smells like this. But if they kill me or give me severe food poisoning, there is a lot of lawyers uh, going to get involved. I think it's safe to eat. <laughs> so so you eat it you know but the 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 temperature was it was i, I, I don't think i've ever been that cold in yeah. my life i felt physically sick i was that cold on that trial thing when they've got the big fans on you and everything yeah because you didn't get australia you got wales <laughs> it was freezing well a good experience though and like obviously for you to be able to show yourself but also I'd say for you as well, it was to kind of show that you, Simon, this the real Simon was back and feeling well again. Yeah, yeah, it was nice. It was a kind of like, hello, here I am. Employ me. <laughs> <laughs> Are you allowed to do stuff outside Curry? Like, how does that work? Obviously, I know you can Yeah, do you're allowed to do, like, this. you know, the, the show we did with Lucy and then we, uh, you know, you're allowed to do game shows and you're allowed to go off and do documentaries and things like that. Not that that's happened. Uh, hopefully, maybe. But you, you can't do like Panto or a movie or you can't go and act in, in something else because it's kind of breaking the fourth wall. Mm. And not that I think there is a fourth wall anymore. It's like everyone knows Bungle was not a real bear. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> You know, I think that for, ever since reality TV, I think that fourth wall's gone. So they are a bit more open to you doing things these days. Have you heard her? No, she's. I haven't heard her at all. Hello, little puppy. This is Cookie, who played Rover, Steve's dog. Tucker, or did you, or did you bring her in? Which way did it work? They came. At, there was a friend of mine. I hadn't seen him for ages, and he, he changed us. What do you want? Someone the phone. He said uh, it changed jobs, so he was in charge of uh, getting stuff for storylines. He said, uh, I said, how are you doing? He said, oh, he said, I've got to get a Jack Russell. I said, how have you? I said, for who? He went, for you. 
I went, why? He said, you get a dog. I said, do I? I said, why am I the last to know everything about my own character? So he said, yeah, they want one like this. So I showed him a picture of Cookie. She was only young. And he went, yeah, just like that. I said, that's my dog. I said, tell them to use my dog because she'll do as as everything I tell her to do. Yeah. It won't be a pain in the ass on set having to train a, you know, a stranger to the dog. So, yeah, she came in and she was my dog. Oh, good girl. She's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, she's well behaved. My two are downstairs in the kitchen because otherwise it would just be a case of constant jumping up or crying. So, yeah, well, that's what she was starting. She's very, very much give me attention all the time. Mm. I'm going to kick off. (laughs) I forgot you were uh, doing Living with Lucy. How was that? Because she actually does move in with you. Yeah, it was Lucy was great. Very, very funny, really nice lady. And and, and we you know, we got on like a house on fire. Yeah. Uh we, we, we took her out for a drink one night. And bless her, she she wasn't very well. I think she kind of had flu or something like mm-hmm. that. So she wasn't very well. And we took her out for the night and we kind of destroyed her. <laughs> she's lived with Jedward. Nothing can ever top. Like, she, if you think you've destroyed her, she's lived with three days with Jedward. So, she survived. Yeah, that, I think it was kind of like a holiday for us because she was like, "Oh, you're normal. This is nice." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, because she had just lived with Katie Price just before you. I think with so. yeah, man. <laughs> wow. I mean, I've met, I've worked with Katie, and she is lovely. But you know, yeah. Living with her is a different story. Small doses. <laughs> Bless her. <laughs> I can imagine for like, because in Ireland, obviously the show is quite known, but like I imagine for celebrities in the UK when she's like, the agent comes through with a message. This Irish TV host wants to move in with you for three days. You must be like, what? It's like, oh God, really? <laughs> I have to clean the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if that's coming on soon, so Irish would be able to watch that. And obviously you're on Curry for the foreseeable. You're not, you're not leaving us anyway. No, I've absolutely no plans to go anywhere. You know, I love it. I'm very, very, very lucky. Uh, you know, I always tell myself that, and it's true. You know, I, I get to, I get to drive into work. The minute I get out of the car, it's just banter, abuse of all the lads. You know, uh, you know, from the crew, and then you get upstairs. Everyone's telling stories, and then you get to play dress up for a couple of hours and have a laugh, make people laugh. And then you go home, you know, it's, it's an amazing job. I'm very, very lucky to have it. Awful for the first 10 years. But after that, things started to change. Do anyone joining Parry, just stick around for a decade and then things will be great. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you a very spooky story. I told it the other day, actually. I told it yesterday. I was at, used to have a smoking room in the old place. Of course, you can't smoke anywhere now. Which is great. It's a good thing, but uh, everyone being in the smoking room, we smoked, and um, I was I was in a very dark place. I wasn't in a good place, mm. and there was an a, an, a, an elderly guy behind me. I kind of smelt him first. He was smoking a pipe. It was like a vanilla tobacco, and he was dressed in what I would say that your granddad or your great granddad would wear. Then kind of clothes like you know, like the cardigan and the jacket and the blacks and what have you. He just said out the blue. He went, "Listen, Simon." It, it gets easier as you get older. So I went, right, okay. Uh, anyway, I walked out of there and I said, who's that guy in the smoking room? And everyone went, what guy? No. Can't call True story. <laughs> I was like, what was that about? But I took it on board and it was true. I was like, just, just ride it out. Ride it out. And it has got easier. So whoever pipe smoking ghost was he was right 
Always listen to Pipe Smoking Ghost. That That's is one thing your listeners should take away from this. Honestly, the next time a pipe smoking ghost comes up behind you and gives you advice, take it. Take it. Take it. Run with it. They're always right. Human now, no pipe smoking ghosts have come near me. And I'm just going to be now searching around for them now. Maybe I need to find the smoking room. Maybe the only people You need there. to find the smoke. You'd be lucky. I know. They're not around anymore. They're not around anymore. You need to find a time machine is what you need. I know. I need to go to the new set in Corrie because I'm always saying to my friend who lives in Manchester, it's a disgrace. I've only ever seen one Corrie star walking around the place when I've been over there. And I'm there like six times a year and I've seen one. And that was, I think his name was, his name was Sean in real life. And I think his character was called Sean. He was with um, Tina, who's with Sarah on the show. Um, And I met him at St. Patrick's Day Festival in Manchester. So I was like, this isn't even like, you know, walking in the street. And I'd be very much just like, just look at them kind of go, but, but pretend, but blank you. Is that the yeah, uh, yeah. I've not recognised you oh. at all. Who are you? Yeah. What's your name? She's me. You in my, you in my eyeline. <laughs> yeah, and then just walk away and be like, oh my god, guess who I just saw? <laughs> <laughs> People secretly film you. That's the funny one. If you if you're in a in a, in a restaurant, you'll see the back of uh, a girl's head, and their boyfriend or a husband will have the phone, and then the last minute she'll duck out the way. To the side, he goes, click. And they go, have you got it? They go, yeah. And he's literally staring right at them, going like that. That's the shittiest covert photograph I've ever seen taken. It's bizarre. Like, just ask me for a picture. Yeah, or they say, yeah, because that's weird. <laughs> or they're sitting super straight and the camera's actually floating right to their right that's not even in the picture. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's literally surrounded by uh, Spectre Clusos everywhere I go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't do that. I'm like, no, I'm glad I'm not famous for that. But as people have heard, if they see you about, you are very nice and it's okay to ask you for a picture. Exactly. Yeah. Just ask. Don't do weird things. <laughs> well, I'll be wanting one now. When I'm in Manchester next, I'd love to meet you in person. We'll have to have it out. There you go. Yeah, we'll sit down. We'll have a pint defo. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love that. Well, I will... Um, let you go because I've just realised I have you for an hour and you're dying of a hangover. So fair play to you for playing. I know I can't stop talking, can I? No, I love it. I love it. No, if I was hungover, I'd be like, and then I met. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You've rung the wrong person. Go away. I'd be still tell. It would take me twenty minutes to tell the ghost story. So that's that's what I'm hungover. <laughs> so fair play to you. Now get a load of greasy food into you and feel better. Yeah, I'm going to absolutely sandwich it up. Yes. And cuddle that beautiful dog of yours. I know. Little thing. Oh. Got a cat upstairs as well that's literally got its arm around my son. My son's off. He's got COVID. She's literally got her arm around his neck. It's very cute. Oh, I hope you get the dog and the cat to live together. We have a cat that just sits out in the wall and oh. my dog's going insane. Took a while. We had the cat in a cage for about three weeks and slowly introduced him. God. But yeah, they love each other now. Weird. Oh, well, that's good. Mine, I'm, I'd be afraid to even try because one of them in particular, she she hates dogs, cats, anything that's not human. She loves humans, but hates animals. So I don't think mm. she's realised she is one. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Well, listen, Simon, thank you so much for today. Honestly, no I've worries. had the best hour. It's been great. <laughs> oh, well, lovely to meet you. You too. And uh, feel better and have a great, great day. And thanks a million. Love to chat to you. You too. Bye. 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 Bye.
Well, lads, wasn't that some crack? Oh my God, we had such laugh there and I'm pretty sure we covered every topic going. <laughs> so yes, thank you so much for tuning in. Oh, thank you to Simon and to Simon's agent, who's also called Simon, for setting this up. Yeah, it's. I was a very excited woman that day that we recorded this. <laughs> but yeah, we had such a laugh. I learned so much about him and, you know, there's no airs and graces as you heard with him. He is quite happy to meet people in the street as long as they're not, you know, filming them from the side or jumping at them. It's great to just talk to somebody who's famous who's also just really normal as well, you know what I mean? So that's, I love, the one thing I love about this podcast is you get to talk to people on a more normal level and have the crack and have the banter and, you know, they're not always promoting, it's not all about promotion or anything like that. It's just kind of like, tell me your story about you in your own words, I suppose, really. And you get to hear the different stuff maybe you haven't heard before and maybe stuff you have heard before, but, you know, in, in his own words, not reading it or whatever. But yeah, it was so lovely. Honestly, I am, I'm coming for that point, Simon. I'm coming for it. I want us to have the crack. <laughs> We're going to be besties, guys. Besties. And maybe I can get to meet the Tracy Barlow then. Oh my God. Unreal. Listen, um, I'm going to let you all go. I have next week a lovely Irish actor, I think. I think we'll air that one episode next week. Maybe I'll mix it up. We won't see. We'll wait and see. If you are listening to this episode and you enjoy it, please do come follow me on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter, Facebook, all tis yourself. You'll find us there. Um, please feel free to follow the podcast on Spotify or on iTunes or wherever you listen. Um, also, rate, review, the usual things, all the podcasts ask you to do. I heard, I was listening to Jamie Lang's the other day and they were still asking for people to follow, rate, review. And I was like, okay, if they're doing that and they're on like thousands, it's okay if I ask as well. So yeah, please, that would be great. And as I said, if you could vote for me in the Listener's Choice um, Awards, all you have to do is search uh, Irish Podcast Awards study, press the Listener's Choice button and put in Tis Yourself. Confirm in your email. Boom. So if you do any of those things, whether it's follow me on socials, on Spotify, on podcast player, or you vote for me, you've just made this little Irish lady who records these things in her bedroom or in her kitchen very, very happy. And your kindness, which was free today, has perked me up beautifully. So thank you so much. And I will be chatting to you all next Saturday. This uh, this podcast comes out every single Saturday. So I hope I will see some of you guys here again next week. Song of all. Thank you.